good singing today. And uh, good songs. If you have your Bibles this morning, I invite you to turn to the Gospel of Mark. In Mark chapter 10. There's uh, probably all of us at some point or another uh, has made a promise to someone that we were going to do something or be somewhere or, uh, and had to break it. And that wasn't our intention. We made the promise we sincerely intended uh, to fulfill it, but something came up and we weren't able to. Um, and so I'm thankful that God's not that way. Thankful that when God makes a promise, he keeps it. And he keeps it all the time. Even when I have a feeling he probably would like to forget the promise that he made and start over. In fact, he says that a couple times. Uh, and yet, uh, so I'm thankful for God's promises that never fail. But I'm also concerned that when human beings, we, we know that we all break promises, even unintentionally. And so, so often, promises aren't very important. And they should be. Uh, when we give our word, that should be as, as good as gold. Uh, we shouldn't need to sign a bunch of contracts, get notarized in 40 different places, and you know, give a drop of blood to, to seal anything. Just our word ought to be enough. But we live in a world where that's not the case. And one particularly disturbing area that we see this in is marriage. Uh, so the verses that we're going to talk about today, Jesus talks about marriage and divorce. Uh, it was a hot topic in the first century, just like it is today. And there's lots of different ideas and opinions. And so this is what I want us to know. What I hope we'll hear today is it doesn't matter what anybody's opinion is, really. The only one whose opinion matters is God's. And so when we want to know what God says about something or what God thinks about something, guess what? He tells us. We don't have to wonder. He tells us in his word. It's very concerning that marriage is taken so lightly in our society today in America and divorce is taken even more lightly. I saw a couple months ago driving toward Jackson um, you know, on the, one of the bill, billboards off the interstate uh, was one of these lawyers, and I don't even remember which one it was. But the billboard said this, cheap, easy, divorce, 397 and In fact, divorce takes it so lightly that, hey, listen, we'll cheapen it, and we'll make it easy. And unfortunately, not only in America, but in other places around the world, marriage is seen as a convenience. And that's very unfortunate. And part of the reason why our society is in the condition that it's in today is because we take promise, especially holy promises that we stand before God and make far too lightly. Had a lot of couples that have come... Christian couples, because divorce doesn't just happen to people that are not Christians. It affects everybody. Uh, some, everyone in here has been touched uh, by divorce in some way. Um, and so we need to understand what God's word has to say about this important topic. 
Um, and so let's take a look, beginning in verse 1 of Mark chapter 10. It says, Then he arose from there and came to the region of Judea by the other side of the Jordan. And as multitudes gathered to him again, and as he was accustomed, he taught them again. The Pharisees came and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? And he answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? And he said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, Because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. In the house, his disciples also asked him again about this same matter. And so he said to them, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Well, uh, Mark, Matthew and uh, Luke also record this incident. Matthew gives us a lot more detail than uh, the others do. Uh, and I encourage you to go and, and take a look at what uh, Matthew says. Basically the same thing, but just gives uh, some additional uh, details. So, so important things that we need to take. And I, I want you to hear this. And I mean it sincerely, and we need to embody it, regardless of what people's circumstances is this, that God hates divorce. Scripture says that. But he loves the divorced. Divorce is not God's design, and it's not God's plan. Sometimes it's permitted, not because it's God's plan, but because of the sinfulness and the hard-heartedness and the stubbornness of human beings. And yet, we have to be very careful because a lot of times, people, when they go through divorce, they, they leave the church. And by the way, when they're going through, that's when they need to be in church. And that's when they need to know that they have a, a family of God that loves them and is going to support them and surround them. But also those maybe that are outside of the church need to know that the church is a place where they can find somebody that will love them and care for them regardless of what their past may be. I'm thankful that God loves us regardless of our past and regardless of whatever future uh, bungles we're going to make uh, because he does. But so often, the church has a reputation of, you know, kind of casting away uh, people who are divorced. God, again, does not like divorce. In fact, the Bible says he hates it. And there are very few things the Bible says God hates. But divorce is one of those things. And so we need to understand this important precept. And, and Jesus, as he's teaching, calls the hearer's attention back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 1 where uh, Adam and Eve are there and, and God uh, talks about marriage, about a husband and a wife coming together uh, is in uh, Genesis chapter uh, 2 and Genesis chapter 4. So he's bringing all of that to their minds 
And then he adds something in verse 9. This is Jesus' words. It's not from Genesis. It's Jesus' words. He says, what God has put together, let no man pull apart. This is a great illustration. One of my favorite movies is Fireproof. It's old now, but if you haven't seen it, I suggest you get it. But I've got a pepper shaker and a salt shaker here. And I'm going to do something to this. They're separate. They're two different things. This super glue represents God. And he's not this small. But when God takes and he puts this man and he puts this woman, he puts them together. And after a few seconds... What's going to happen to this salt and pepper? Well, we're going to see here at the end. And so understand God hates divorce, but loves the divorced. So three important things that I think we need to take away uh, from this uh, as we talk about what does God have to say about marriage and divorce. Well, the first thing is this. That not only does God hate divorce, he loves the divorced. We need to understand marriage requires three. Preacher, what are you talking about? There's There's only a man and a woman. Who's the third? Well, the third is God. And it is impossible for two people to stay together, to love one another... And to have this lifelong relationship that God intends without God in the middle of it. Because the reality is that you don't even get along with yourself all the time. Much less someone else that's completely different because God has a sense of humor. And there's an old saying that says opposites attract. And that's very true. Sometimes that's good. Some of my strengths are Leslie's weaknesses, and some of the things I'm weak in, Leslie's strong in, so we complement each other, and that's good. But then some of the things that, that I'm weak in, that she's strong, it irritates me. And the things, she, I, I, you all are going to have a hard time believing this. She gets irritated with me, too. Can you believe that? I know! The preacher. What on earth? But you know what? Uh, We haven't quite made it 20 years yet. Lord willing, we'll be there in a couple years. Um, But we've been together a long time. And the only reason we've been able to stay together, it's not all been roses and marshmallows and rainbows, but You know, I stood at an altar in a church just like this, an hour and a half south of here, before a lot of people and before God. And I made some promises. And she made some promises. And I believe that God teaches us that when we make a promise, we ought to keep it. Now, again, that's not to say that there's not circumstances when divorce is not warranted and maybe even necessary. 
And I'll say, even when it's necessary, it's not good. And God doesn't like it. Well, we need to understand that marriage isn't bait. We don't marry somebody because we like them, even because we love them, even because they do nice things. But we love them all the time, in the good and the bad. That's where I was going with that, with those promises. You know, you in sickness and in health, for richer or for poorer. Um, there's a couple other things in there, but uh, you know, and so we make those promises. And I think especially young people today, they make those pr- It doesn't mean absolutely anything to them. I've heard many people say, Preacher, I meant him when I said it. I meant it then. But I've fallen out of love with him, or I've fallen out of love with her, and I just don't want to be married. No more. And that's why marriage takes three. Here's a little poem. It says, Marriage takes three to be complete. It is not enough for two to meet. They must be united in love by love's creator, God above. Then their love will be firm and strong, able to last when things go wrong. Because they felt God's love and know he's always there, he'll never go. And they have both loved him in kind with all their heart and soul and mind. And in that love, they found the way to love each other every day. A marriage that follows God's plan takes more than a woman and a man. It needs a oneness that can only be uh, can be only from Christ. Marriage takes three. And by the way, I do think that marriage is something that God designed, and it is a has religious connotation to it. Even if many in our more and more secular society think it doesn't, it does. And marriage is something that's to be celebrated, something that is to be uh, taken very seriously. But also, by the way, that doesn't mean that married, married people are any better than single people. Being single, uh, you know, Paul uh, mentions that, you know, sometimes it's better and because you can serve the Lord without some hindrances or you know, other things, it may be better for a person to be single. You may be single because you're widowed or divorced. That doesn't make you any less important to God. But we need to understand, church, that the Bible says, and the church needs to say, marriage matters. And marriage is hard. And yet it's important. God says it's important. In fact, he even compares our relationship with him to marriage in his word. That's how special and sacred uh, it is to God. But understand this, that this covenant of marriage if we're going to take it seriously and understand what its intention was, God has got to be in the middle of it. Because it's that covenant that was instituted by God. And when God is not in the picture, or he's kept on the outside corner, it's not going to work. 
it's going to fail 100% of the time without some very serious other interventions. And so understand that God takes marriage very seriously. We need to as well. But then here's the second thing that I think we find here in Jesus' teachings in these 12 verses, that God understands our struggles. Now remember the context of what happened here. These uh, Pharisees came to Jesus trying to trap Jesus. You'll remember earlier in the Gospel of Mark, uh, they did the same thing to another man, and his name was John the Baptist. And they ultimately got John the Baptist because he was preaching against the ruler and his adulterous little wife that was actually his brother's wife that he shacked up with, and that's enough of that. But uh, it was not good. And they trapped it and got John in prison, and then because of a very foolish promise Herod made, John the Baptist lost his head because of his preaching about marriage. And the motivation of the Pharisees was for the same thing to happen to Jesus. That, hey, it worked with him. Why won't it work with it? Let's try it again. Well, it didn't work quite as well. So they come and they say, is it okay for a man to divorce his wife? And Jesus just didn't come right out and give a yes or no. He asked a couple questions. First he said, what did Moses say? And their reply was partially true. Moses said it was okay for a man to give his wife a bill of divorcement. Well, you look back in the book of Deuteronomy where the Bible does talk about it, and that's where it goes. And by the way, that's the only place in Deuteronomy chapter 24 where these instructions are given. But it doesn't just say, hey, yeah, a man can divorce his wife for any old reason. That Deuteronomy chapter 24 says that if a man marries a wife and uh, finds that she has been unfaithful, and it's not meaning that adultery, because back the penalty for adultery was stoning. They took that seriously uh, and... You know, they, and even in Jesus' day, remember that they brought this woman caught in adultery to Jesus with stones in her hand, expecting Jesus to give him permission to stone her. Now, they often didn't take that route, but probably a better way uh, of seeing it is if he found that a woman had, was not uh, you know, a virgin when they married, that then that was the only reason. But then Jesus went on and said, you know what? Because of the hardness of your heart, God allowed this exception. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that Jesus knows our struggles. He knows life is hard. And he knows sometimes wives can be irritating and great. And he knows that husbands are even more irritating and even more great. He knows that life is hard. He knows that there are struggles. And he knows our sinful nature and our fallen world and how this world operates and how it is imperfect and how there is so much pain and, 
listen, if marriage is supposed to be a, a man loving his wife with everything that he has and a wife loving her husband with everything she has. And when that happens and Christ is in the midst of that, it works. But when one gives 20% and the other gives 80%, and even if both give 50%, that still don't work. Both sides have to be giving 100%. And then with Christ in the middle, it works. But that's hard to do, and God understands that. In fact, he tells us in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses 15 and 16, he said, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So the writer of Hebrews reminds us that, listen, Jesus understands the struggles and the hurt and the tears that we shed. He knows how life is hard. And yet he came through it without sin. And because of that, he was able to be the ultimate sacrifice for my sin and your sin and all the sin of all the whosoevers in the world. Because we are broken. And we are affected by this disease called sin and we cannot fix that. But Christ can. And Christ does. And so we need to understand whether it's divorce or anything else that we're struggling with, God understands our struggles. And not only does he understand our struggles, but he says, you know what, come to me and you'll find mercy and grace to help. Mercy and grace. Not judgment and punishment. But mercy and grace. And here's something else we need to understand, church. If God extends mercy and grace, the church is called to do the same. And there are people in your families, in your neighborhoods, in your workplaces, in the community around this church that need to understand that God loves them and that God knows their hurts. God knows their failures even. God knows their sins. And yet he loves them and wants to extend mercy and grace. How many of you believe there's mercy and grace at the cross of Christ for everyone? I hope you do. I know I believe. And yet there are people all around us that don't know that truth. And they're afraid because Satan, the father of lies, has got them con- you know, thinking that the church is a place of judgment and they're just going to look their nose down at you. Unfortunately, sometimes that's true. That is how we've treated people. And that's unfortunate. We shouldn't be that way. And Satan will tell people, listen, God can't forgive you. 
There's an unpardonable sin, but adultery is not one of them. It is not that sin. Divorce is not that sin. And so there's people all around us that need to know Christ is where you can find grace and mercy. And we need to take that message to understand that Christ understands our struggles. And then lastly, we're reminded that not only does God understand our struggles, but that God redeems and makes new. I'm thankful that God can take any old broken vessel, person, and make them new again. Jesus had taught this lesson. He didn't get trapped by the Pharisees. They went home. They went to a house wherever they were lodging. And the disciples asked Jesus again, Jesus, what about this teaching? And so Jesus continued to discuss it with them. And says, listen, I do I want you to understand God hates divorce, but he loves those that are divorced. God redeems and makes new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And so, I want us to understand whether we're married or single or divorced or widowed, that whatever state we find ourselves in, that we understand the important truth that God redeems and makes all things new again. And I sure am thankful for that. I hope you are too. And here's the thing, church, is that it's not enough for just us to know that. We're surrounded by people every day that need to know it. They don't know it. So they live and they're found right here in the buckle of the Bible belt. They don't know that truth. We understand marriage takes three. We need to remember that God understands our hurts and our struggles. We need to understand that God redeems and makes all things new. Well, Back to our salt and pepper shaker. We've got two elements. We've got pepper, we've got salt, and God, the Holy Spirit, has joined them together. And go, as I twist, they're not coming apart. And so we think back to verse 9 where Jesus says, you know what, what God has put together and made one, let not man pull apart. Now, can I break this salt and pepper shaker apart? I can. But both of them are not going to be what they were before. They're not going to come apart easily, and they're not going to come apart unscathed. One's probably going to have a big hole 
down the middle of it. And the other side's going to have a big piece of plastic that's super glued to the side of it. But both will, it'll come apart, but not easily and not wholly. But guess what? God understands our pain. And even if we've been through divorce and that has broken parts of us, God can make it new again. God will take us and make us new. Understand this important lesson that God hates divorce, but he loves the divorced. And he takes marriage very seriously, and the church and our society ought to take it very seriously too. Much more seriously than we do, unfortunately. I understand that there are people all around us that are hurting. Maybe it's not divorce that they're struggling with. Maybe it's something else. It doesn't matter what our struggle is or what our past is or what our failures are. God makes all things new. He can save anyone and he has grace and mercy for anyone that comes to him. Jesus said in the Gospels, he said, listen, all you who are burdened down, come to me for my burden is light and my yoke is easy. And the reason Jesus' burden is light and the yoke is easy is because you're no longer carrying the burden by yourself. And you're no longer in charge of where the yoke takes you. But when Christ is in your life, you're on one side, but Christ is on the other. And the reality is Christ is carrying most of the load, but you're right there with him. And that's why that burden is so light for you. The burden is not light but it's light for you because Christ is carrying the bulk of the weight. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, thank you that you understand our struggles. Lord, divorce is a, a difficult topic. It's a topic that's touched everyone that's here and everyone that's listening and watching on the internet. It's a difficult, hurtful, painful thing. And it's something that you hate, Lord. But I'm thankful that you love the divorced. That you understand the struggles and the hurt. And you say, you know what, I can make you new. Again, through my grace and mercy. So Lord, forgive us for when we flippantly made promises to you and to one another. Lord, help us to be people of our word, including the holy promises that we make to you and to one another. Forgive us when we don't do that. But Lord, if there's one here today Lord, they've never received new life and they've been carrying this heavy burden of guilt and shame. 
God, would you help them today to find freedom and newness and a life with Christ? Might they come to you and find help in time of need? Or maybe there's one of your children here today, they're saved. But Lord, they're struggling. Help them to call upon you. Help them to find the grace and mercy they need comes only from you. Nowhere else. Lord, help us to look to you for strength. Help us to look to you for solutions to the problems that we face in life. Help us to obey you. Help us to keep you at the center of every area of our life. Whether that's marriage or whether it's singleness. Lord, help you, us to keep you at the center. And when you're at the center, everything else seems to fall in place. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. And then we're going to stand, we're going to sing a hymn of response. If God spoke into your heart, there's a decision you need to make for the Lord. Maybe you need today, for the first time, come to find grace and mercy in a new relationship with Christ. Maybe you're saved here today, but you've been carrying a burden by yourself that, by the way, God doesn't intend for you to carry by yourself. And you need to give it to the Lord. This would be a good day to, and a good time to do that today. Let's stand together. We're going to sing just a couple of verses of this uh, little chorus.